Hello, and welcome to the Beyond Boundaries podcast, a podcast where we interview faculty, students, staff, and alums of the Beyond Boundaries series of courses and the Beyond Boundaries program at Washington University in St. Louis. In this podcast, we aim to reach across the digital divide and highlight engaging stories told by Beyond Boundaries faculty and students at WashU and their ideas for future work and play. We hope to give you a window into what Beyond Boundaries is, featuring the next generation of interdisciplinary thinkers and collaborators whose aim is to leverage curiosity across disciplines in an effort to solve some of the most complex and challenging problems we face in the world today. My name is Rob Morgan, and I am the director of the Beyond Boundaries program at WashU and a teaching professor in the area of design and the performing arts department. Enjoy the show. My guest today is Rebecca Messbarger. She's a professor of Italian, an affiliate professor of history, art history, international and area studies, performing arts, and women and gender and sexuality studies. She's the director of undergraduate studies in Italian and the founding director of medical humanities. Uh, professor Messbarger's uh, major research interests center on Italian enlightenment culture, in particular the place and purpose of women in civic, academic, and social life and the intersection of art and science in the production of anatomical wax models during the age. Um, Dr. Messbarger, thank you so much for being here. Oh, I'm delighted to be here. <laughs> We're so glad to have you. So Dr. Messbarger, you and um, Professor Olinick, Patricia Olinick, co-teach a class called Art of Medicine, which is a Beyond Boundaries class open to only first-year students. You're currently in the midst of, of teaching that this spring semester. Um, so could you tell us a little bit about what that class is all about? Sure. So the class is, um, is spans at the intersection of the cultural history of medicine, which is my part of the course. And then Patricia Olenek, Professor Olenek, teaches um, contemporary arts response and critique to medical practice and medical issues. And so our students occupy um, the constructively uncomfortable space between the history of medicine and art, the creative arts, the visual arts. Sounds fascinating. How long have you been teaching it? When did it start? So I think um, Patricia Olenek and I have been teaching, we've taught four times. Um, it had one uh, iteration before that. Um, but she and I have been partners for the last four years, and it's been a really exciting partnership. Nice, nice. Do, do you find that the students get a lot out of it? Is it kind of a, um, you both teach across divisions. So you're in the school or you're in the arts and sciences, obviously the biggest of mm -hmm. our four divisions at WashU. And then uh, Professor Olenek is in the Sam Fox School of Design and Visual Art. So can right. you talk, take us, like, where did, I'm fascinated to know actually where the first maybe conversation happened? Did some, one of you find out, um, you know, about this initiative to teach Beyond Boundaries classes and then approach the other? So what happened was I, I mean, the art of medicine, actually, I was uh, reviewing a book for the Wellcome Institute in uh -huh. London, which is a center for the history of medicine, and it was called the art of medicine. And this was just as the provost office put out the first um, announcement about these, uh, the, the opportunity to teach across schools. Right. And I had been thinking about, you know, um, 
the art of medicine in the medical context, but this book was kind of amazing. Um, I mean, just one thing that pops into my head, it showed a German Bible and in the Bible were anatomical organs. So the biblical text was written on top of a very graphic anatomical, anatomically correct heart. Wow. And I thought that was just really exciting. It was from the 1600s. And it looked at Eastern medicine and Western medicine and the relationship between the visual arts and medical practice over time. So I had had, you know, I thought, gosh, this um, opportunity to teach across schools and across disciplines, this would be a great subject. Um, and I was having coffee with Professor Linick. Uh, and talking about um, how I was looking for a partner, and she instantly said, I would love to do it. And <laughs> it was kind of a match made in heaven. And, you know, her contribution really changed the um, the development of the course, which had been much more centered on the cultural history of medicine. It took it right to the present moment and to really exciting, provocative um, contestations of medicine yeah. by artists. It's oh, fascinating. And a lot of her work is uh, sculptural, sort of medical anatomy type work, if I'm not mistaken. She works a lot with photography. Yeah. Um, she's done so many different kinds of things. I mean, she sort of worked for a lot of years across the life sciences. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the, the, the amazing thing about Professor Linick is that she knows personally many of these contemporary artists, um, people like Matthew Barney, who's, mm -hmm. you know, wild. <laughs> 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 I am way back in history, right? Yes. I do yeah. mostly early modern, um, and she takes it right up to today. So yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a really nice collaboration. Nice, nice. I, I I read something where you were talking about, I'd love to hear more thoughts on this, the sort of history of medicine and how that is relevant to current medical practice. I think maybe um, some folks might not understand how those two are related. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Well, you know, um, from its earliest conception, and we could say thousands of years ago, 3,000 years ago, Medicine has tried to understand what is going on under the skin, right? To see what is happening under there and why in order to, well, first of all, for knowledge sake, but to preserve and enhance the well-being of the human body. Um, and so what was happening 3,000 years ago, the quest to understand and the quest to improve the human condition, that part of it hasn't changed. You know, how we go about it, the efficacy of what we do has certainly changed, thank goodness. Um, medical practice has a great positive impact on our health and well-being, and that's actually a relatively recent thing. Right. So the other part of it is that every single human being, I mean, a fundamental part of the human experience is to get sick and to be taken care of or to take care of other people. And that's why so much literature is devoted to this subject, so much art, um, you know, philosophy. This is just 
as fundamental to the human experience as anything that we do. Of course, of course. That's, that's fascinating. The, I, I ran across a, a quote years ago that I, I, I never ceased to forget, and it's, it's from Chief Seattle, and it's about, um, uh, I believe it goes, a uh, man did not weave the web of life. He is merely a strand in it. What he does to the web, he does to himself. I think as human beings, we often kind of feel like we're, I don't know, outside of the vulnerability of uh, like we are experiencing now, a global pandemic, you know, and um, I, I just find that so interesting that there's, um, I, that this, we can always look to our past and find like the bubonic plague, for example, find instances mm -hmm. where we um, thought we were invincible, perhaps. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, just a few weeks ago, we really saw COVID-19 as another nation's problem. And oftentimes, I think in the United States, we have an amazing healthcare uh, system. I mean, we have great doctors and researchers and, um, you know, cutting edge, everything. And we can feel like we are somehow immune, yeah. literally. Mm -hmm. to what is going on outside of our borders. But of course, we're all intricately connected. And what is going on elsewhere is our problem too. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So getting back quickly, though, to art of medicine. So can you, mm -hmm. can you give, is there a, if there is such a thing, a typical day in that class? Um, uh, maybe an example of an assignment? Um, do students work individually or in, in groups? How does it, how does the basic kind of um, sure. structure work? So um, there's a kind of uh, coordination. We, d we have lectures on Tuesday. Generally, we meet Tuesday, Thursday, or at least one day of the week. We have a two-hour lecture by me or Pro Professor Linick. And then um, the other day, we have an hour discussion section led by um a discussion leader who is sometimes a graduate from the class and sometimes a graduate student. Um, so it's, you know, there's this kind of back and forth from lecture to discussion section. Um, but to just give you an idea, and I think it's kind of an idea that is of the moment. I, for example, will teach on Tuesday about the 1348 bubonic plague, the Black Death. And students will read uh, an excerpt from Boccaccio's Decameron, and they will read about medieval medicine and how um, they conceived of contagion. They saw it as miasma or bad air, putrefied air. And um, so we will read about the medieval concept of contagion um, the next lecture, Professor Olenek will talk about uh, a modern day contagion, and that would be um, the HIV AIDS epidemic in the 1980s, an artist's response to um, the lack of access to medical care. Right. And many of these artists were people who were themselves dying yeah. of this disease. So we have this kind of conversation between past and present between history and medical science and contemporary art. And um, the students have to navigate 
the space between those things. And it can be really exciting. It can be a little bit scary for students, but um, the students that have graduated, I mean, I've got two uh, undergraduates who are about to go off to medical school, one to Washington University Medical School, the other to Indiana. Um, amazing students. And they went through the course. And for them, I mean, I'm just telling you what they say, but they said it yeah. really changed their perspective on what they're going to be doing with the rest of their lives. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It made it relevant for them, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, had the misfortune, I guess you'd say, to live through the AIDS crisis. And um, uh, when I went to college, this is in the, I was in undergraduate school, late 80s, early 90s, when AIDS was really, really terrible for many, many artists. I'm in the performing arts department. And so many of my colleagues, designers, actors, you name it, were becoming afflicted with it. And in the first mm -hmm. and only time my mother's profession and mine crossed, she was a res registered nurse. She went to back to school after my wow. sister and I went to college. And I never, I'll never forget coming home from college on, let's say, a spring break or a winter break. And she'd show me an obituary and she'd say, did you know him? He did theater. And in every case, I knew that person, you know, and it just was like, wow. I don't, I can't, I can't see any more of my friends dying. You know, it's just, it's just terrible um, period of time to live through and to watch, you know, watch my own friends yeah. Um, yeah. Um, go through that. But sorry, I digress a bit, but no, I mean, I think that that's really important, that personal perspective. I mean, I think you and I are, are probably close in age because mm -hmm. the timeline is pretty. Yeah, so you're 25 as well me. then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 <laughs> that's right, that's right. I'm just going to slide right by that. <laughs> exactly. Sorry, I'm kidding. Yeah, no, it, it is. Um, it that's it is profound, and and what we're experiencing right now with right this now. this um, coronavirus. My sister just wrote to me, torn up because a good friend of hers, who was a top chef in New York, with whom she worked, died yesterday of oh. the of the virus, so and sorry. this is going to touch us in many ways, like the AIDS epidemic did, and yep. I mean it will have you know, probably a different demographic, but it is going to touch all of us. And um, indeed, the humanity of, of, of this is really important. I mean, the fact that your mom was a nurse, that's one of the things that we talk about in the art of medicine, the contest in some ways, especially in Western medical systems between care and cure. Um, one of the things that uh, Bill Powderly, who is the dean of the Institute of Public Health at Washington University and has been a regular guest speaker in our class, talks about is that doctors were absolutely destroyed by the AIDS epidemic because they could not do anything for the patients. But nurses were not because the point was to care, to provide care. And yeah. Um, and, so and the you doctors see that felt in the their hands were tied, and the and the nurses felt that they right. their their primary purpose was was to care. Huh. That's right, that's right, and it's one of the things that we talk extensively about with many of the pre meds who take this course, um, and I think that's something that they take away 
what is the purpose of medical practice? Uh, we, we talk a lot about the great paradox that up until, you know, the really the middle of the 20th century, we didn't have a lot of medical therapies that worked. And yet people felt better cared for. Now we have really efficacious medicine, but a lot of our the patients feel skeptical about the care or less than cared for. And it's a problem on both sides of the stethoscope, the satisfaction and fulfillment of caregivers and the faith in the system of those on the receiving end of that care. Mm. That's so interesting. I, I, um, I feel like I, I was reading a little bit about you and I, uh, there's some really beautiful ideas you have uh, that are teaching philosophies, I guess you'd say. Um, and that is, uh, you mentioned building for each student, and I assume this would be different for each student, uh, a personal bridge to the content. Mm -hmm. uh, can you talk a little bit about what that means? You know, I mean, this is a really hard time for me to be distant from the physical classroom and having to teach remotely, although I'm very happy to have at least, uh, you know, a Zoom, Zoom meeting contact with right, my of students course. to we be able to are, see yeah. Yeah. some of their, yeah, their beautiful faces. But right. I do, you know, I come from a long line of teachers and um, it is something that gives me tremendous personal satisfaction and to know my students is really critically important. Um, and I maintain those relationships long, long after they leave Washington University. You know, I'm, I was just in a conversation with a student who graduated quite a number of years ago, and she has children now and is married and is running, you know, a school in New York. Um, but it, it's really important for me to have that relationship with students find out how they're interpreting the material in the classroom, engage with them through email or in office hours, talk about their final projects. Um, that, that just, that's just who I am. I, my mom was a teacher like that. My dad was a teacher like that. And sure. it's really important for me to have that relationship. Mm-hmm. I, I would agree wholeheartedly. I I, mm. I find that they give me students give me so much more in return. Um, mm -hmm. Just their perspective on life and their um, enthusiasm. It just it's um, in a way. And going back to my particular area of interest in theater, it's an exchange of energy yeah. from an actor to a to an audience. You know, and um, if I have students engaged and excited about an idea, that's just such a thrill. It's a, such a high <laughs> to come off of a class like that. So, um, well, yeah. And you know, it's your, your, it's, you know, a mutual teaching experience. I mean, sure. they are teaching me, I am teaching them, right. you know, and uh, my classroom isn't very hierarchical, especially in the, my smaller classes. Um, just because, you know, why do that? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right. It's, it's so much more fun to hear what students have to say. And students at Washington University are so bright and yes. curious. And yes. yeah, 
They're yeah. wonderful. They are. They are. And it's so it's so great to have you on the sort of Beyond Boundaries faculty team teaching this class at Art of Medicine with, with them. And again, I, I feel like getting them to see and building that bridge, let's say, the, the bridge across, in this case, Sam Fox School of Design and Visual Art and Arts and Sciences is very clear in your class. And I, I'm sure they get excited about thinking across those divisions, as I read once recently, uh, dancing across divisions. <laughs> sort mm-hmm. of a way I like to think I of love it too. That. Um, you, you mentioned, I have to quote this, quote you to yourself, uh, learning is a living exchange of ideas driven by intellectual curiosity and sustained critical preparation. I just think that's such a beautiful way of thinking about, about teaching, about learning. Well, I do think that, well, first of all, it's a tremendous privilege to teach in this program. I just want to say I am so grateful to have the opportunity. It's just, it is so gratifying. So that's Thank the you. first thing. Um, and also to, to see all these generations of students go through, right? It's Yeah, yeah. And, and what they become. Exactly. Yeah. I've, I joked in class one day, I'm like, I'd love to, because they're all first year students. That's the only type of student that can take these courses. I, I joke in class quite often that I'd love to track them like prescription drug patients. <laughs> I, would, <laughs> I, would, I would love to be able to like ask them. And I, in some cases I have asked them in their senior year, like what stayed with you, you know, from your first, <laughs> from my class, if anything. <laughs> so uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. And I'm sure tons that. of things stay. Yeah. 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 We do a section in my class on failure and it's always, uh, I think, very uh, provocative and interesting for them to think of failure in entirely different terms as a... I've heard about that. Oh, you okay. I mean, yes. I think that the word is out. And the I word's think out. that, yeah. you know, and it's so important for students right now. I mean, I have a 13-year-old and then I have kids who are older and there's so much pressure on them to be perfect, to do, you know, to cure cancer before they go to college. (laughs) Exactly. Yes. But there's something lost as you're teaching them that there's a huge missed opportunity if you're just perfect. Exactly. Yeah. And if you, and if you think of failure as this sort of like, uh, if you fail more often, you're more likely to have successes. If you think of it that way, it's, it's a whole different kind of dynamic. Like if I hurry up and fail, then I'll get to my success a lot faster as opposed to just being kind of frozen in time so um well and you're redefining what success means i mean what is success right it's the trial it's the process it's not i mean to just focus on outcome is really limiting so i i think it's great i think it's great and I, I've definitely failed. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all have. And that's, uh, I think maybe that's what you've heard about is in that failure intro, I tell, talk quite frankly about my own personal failures and, um, and it's a big hit <laughs> for students to hear about my failures. I'd love, I feel like, I, yeah. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. No, you, you go ahead. Well, I'd love to kind of just shift gears just a little bit because I feel like I have this opportunity that I don't want to miss at this point in time, this podcast is one, you might say, uh, creative reaction to this coronavirus that we're living through right now. Um, But I have someone on the line here and you that has some perspective on on one of the country's hardest hit by this, and that's Italy. Could you talk a little bit about that? And and do you have, um, what are your thoughts about how that's affecting your beloved country? Well, you know, I'm in daily communication with people in Italy, and it is utterly devastating what is happening. 
Um, and yet, I mean, they their medical system is being crushed in particular regions because of the number of sick. I mean, they have churches filled with coffins with nowhere to put them. Right. They it, it really is it it is it is a devastation. At the same time, there is a kind of solidarity and creativity um, that I think we are witnessing. I mean, many of us have seen Italians flocking to their balconies to sing with each other, right? Um, playing instruments. Um, I have a good friend who's a scholar in Italy, and he's he's called upon all these academics to write to write, to publish about the history of contagion and relate it to what's happening right now on the ground. Um, I think, you know, we have a model of social distancing that is a really important one in Italy um, where people are, you know, sequestered in their homes, um, but together in that sequestration to save their country, to save their community to save right. other communities. Hmm. Um, so it's, it's, I'm filled with anguish um, over what I'm seeing in terms of the, the spread of infection and the number of deaths. But there is also tremendous humanity being expressed. And right. um, yeah, that's, that's, hmm. that's what I, you know, we are called upon to socially distance and it, it's hard. It's hard. We're social beings, but in this case, it's a very constructive thing. Right. And I think you can see lots of ways it's constructive in Italy. I worry about the destructive side of social distancing, the scapegoating of mm-hmm. certain ethnicities and countries. And so Certainly. You know, um, yeah. I'm thinking a lot about this. Yeah, of course. I think we all are. It's, uh, I was just talking to my wife the other day. I feel like normally mourning for me sometimes is a relief from whatever nightmare I might have had the night before, but now I'm waking up into a nightmare every day. It's like yes. sleep for me has become a bit of an escape, if that makes sense. It's, uh, of course. It's, uh, it's yeah. the way, it's our, it's our current world, but um I'm, I'm finding it also kind of recalibrates what we think is important. What we maybe just six months ago thought was important is like, no, that was really not a big deal. <laughs> you know, like it could be yeah. much worse. We could be much less lucky than we are right now. Um, it's uh, yeah. it's kind of re- well. There is something about stepping back, right? We mm-hmm. talk about that metaphorically. You know, Certainly. step back. And, um, you know, take stock. Well, now we're literally having to step off <laughs> yeah, from our lives. Exactly. And I think inevitably with this added time to contemplate what's happening, um, to kind of cocoon with our loved ones, there hopefully is some stock taking sure. about what's important. I, sure. hope, I hope so. Yeah, I hope so as well. Yeah. I have one. Well, and I think, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, you find that uh, I I keep hearing about these, like Shakespeare supposedly wrote both Macbeth and Lear, King Lear, in quarantine. So, yes, yeah. um, And Bertolt Brecht wrote some of his greatest works while, while fleeing the Nazis. He, yeah. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of artists found, 
you know, in their sort of most dire of moments in their life, they wrote their greatest works. Amazing. Well, Rob, we got to get busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm interviewing people like yourself that are so fascinating. Um, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm doing. I'm leaning on you to be great here. Uh, so, um, but I have one more question for you. If, if you don't mind, I have a kind of um, any student that's taken my class and my creativity class will tell you that I, I put um, our guests on the spot with this question, but um, what advice would you give uh, yourself, your 18 year old self, mm -hmm. if you could go back in time, whisper in your ear, what would you say to yourself? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, it's funny because my mom, it was for 50 years, a high school history teacher uh -huh. in Chicago. Uh -huh. And her words to me are ones that I tell my 18 year old, nice. <laughs> my 18 year old children, my 18 year old freshmen. Sure. And it is do everything. You know, if you're going to university, go hear a concert, go see a play, go see an exhibition, go hear a lecture. It's the one time in your life when you really do have control of your time in a way that you never will afterward. Yeah. Just do it. Just yeah. go and do stuff. Um, my mom told that to me. I didn't entirely listen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> my children didn't entirely listen to me, but I, I do think it sure. is. Uh, yeah, that's, that's what I would uh, I love it. get out and do, do it. Go yeah. and take this opportunity to see sure. stuff. And if you think of it, the university is this marvelous little ecosystem where all of these things, this wonderful sort of exchange of knowledge happen on all levels. I don't mean just faculty. I mean, students. Um, I had a dear teacher of mine used to say to me all the time, you know, remember your classmates or your colleagues later in life. It's, you know, what you create together that's important, um, not you know, there's no right way <laughs> uh, to design a play in my case. It's like, what are you all going to create? What amazing new theater forms are you going to create together? So um, I love That's that. Right. That's, love that. Just yeah. try everything. Go to everything. Go to, you know, yes. yeah, stay up all night. <laughs> my mother thanks you. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Well, Dr. Rebecca Messbarger, thank you so much for this time to talk to you. It's been so great. I've really enjoyed it. Thank you, Rob. I really appreciate you coming and, and being on the podcast. You are our very first ever guest. We don't even have an audience wow. yet, but we will. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna be listening to this and wanting to take your class, Art of Medicine, with Dr. Uh, Patricia Olinick as well. So um, thanks for spending this time with us. Oh, thank you for having me. And I look forward to seeing lots of students in the future. Yes, yes, me too, me too. All right, thank you so okay. much. You're welcome. Bye-bye.